0: Hi, this is Chantelle Schieffer, President and CEO of Leadership Montana. Views and opinions shared by guests of Listen First Montana do not reflect the opinions of all of our alumni or organization. We are a large group with lots of opinions, believe me. If you hear something that makes you uncomfortable, we invite you to listen deeply, listen hard, and listen first. I believe that leaders have to to listen first, listen second, listen third, listen, listen, listen. And so for me, leadership is about making space for conversation, making space for the opportunities to listen.
1: Hello and welcome to Listen First Montana, a podcast of Leadership Montana. I'm Eric Halverson. This show is about lifting up the stories of remarkable leaders from all across this state. Each episode will feature an interview with one or more of those leaders and we'll learn about their lives, their leadership, and perhaps most importantly, how they bridge divides, overcome challenge, and move groups towards shared goals. Leadership Montana is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to develop leaders committed to building a better Montana through knowledge, collaboration, and civility. In my mind, that essentially translates to, how can we as leaders, both formal and informal, do a better job of understanding ourselves, our values, and how we translate those values to committed action? How can Montanans do a better job of creating shared visions for the future by listening, learning, and leading with respect and humility. Appropriately, we'll start this show with an interview with Chantel Schieffer, president and CEO of Leadership Montana. Chantel will also host a handful of these episodes later on down the line, where she'll bring her extensive leadership development training and deep knowledge of the challenges and opportunities Montanans face everywhere from Sydney to Sealy Lake. Before we jump into that conversation with Chantel, I'll ask you to please subscribe to Listen First Montana wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating and a review. Also, we're all about having a growth mindset at Leadership Montana, so if you have feedback, good, bad, or ugly, please don't hesitate to send it to eric, E-R-I-C, at leadershipmontana.org. Thank you so much for listening in. And without further delay, here's my interview with Chantel Schieffer. Chantel Schieffer, president and CEO of Leadership Montana. Thank you for coming on the podcast, and thank you for creating the podcast.
0: Eric, you're doing all the heavy lifting, so thank you.
1: Chantel, to start off, I'm going to steal a question from Brene Brown and ask you how you are, not in the perfunctory or superficial sense, but how are you?
0: You know, every day is different. This is a hard time for, for a lot of us across the globe um I'm okay you know okay yeah doing okay
1: what are you what are you working on what's spinning in your brain right now when I ask you that question
0: you know I think just there's so much heaviness in our world right now that I certainly feel I think we all feel you know with uncertainties around COVID-19 you know economy challenges um conversations that have been needing to take place for a long time around social and racial um, equity and inclusion. You know, these big conversations, these big topics that are really just kind of weighing down a lot of people. And the fact that we can't be together right now, you know, like we were just talking before you pushed record about how great it is to see each other in person. You know, we've seen each other on Zoom a few times, but now we're sitting in the same room six feet apart you got your tape measure out to make sure more than six six feet apart to make sure, um, you know, this is a safe environment and we're just missing so much of that connection with people right now. And that's, that's hard. That's really hard for me. So so I'm doing okay, but not great.
1: It's interesting too. I think about people like you and my girlfriend is actually similar in the sense that so much of your work is about holding that heaviness for other people and helping them understand it. Mm-hmm. So I just think about it must be just exponentially heavier, heavier for somebody like you.
0: Yeah, I think it is. You know, I'm pretty used to living in some level of chaos or crisis, you know, through my life, and most especially recently. Um, as you know, my son is medically challenged and, and had a bone marrow transplant a few years ago. Um, and we've we've always kind of had this level of, of crisis, um, but now that's translated on a global scale. you know. So while I'm personally used to dealing through challenge and navigating challenge really well, um, everyone is right now mm-hmm. having to do that. And I think even because I've had that level of experience in navigating challenge and coming out the other side in a positive way, I do think that I know often people come to me and ask for advice on how do, we, how do we navigate this right now? How do I navigate this right now? And so, yeah, that weight is, is a little bit heavier right now.
1: How do you answer that question? Do you say if you have an answer, then please give it to me because I don't, haven't got much for you?
0: Well, you know, I think it, it really kind of comes down to uh, so much of it comes down to mindset. You know, finding something to be grateful for even in the hardest of days. you know we were talking just before just before we started about how hard today specifically has been. and and you know I what got me out of my house and, and to the office was the opportunity to sit down with you here today. you know I, I had I had a moment where I thought, you know what this the, the world is too heavy right now. life is too hard right now. I just want to stay in bed and, and watch whatever's on Hulu, right? But I couldn't, I had to just keep going. And when, when we were in the NICU, when well, we were in the NICU and when we were in um, Seattle with my son's bone marrow transplant, my husband and I had this saying that I just started to just almost re- like regret that we made it part of our vernacular every day. It was just one foot in front of the other, just keep swimming. And <laughs> it started to become really trite for us that's why it was you know kind of annoying to me towards the end but it's so true right and that's why those phrases that are trite are true uh, because we have to just keep putting one foot in front of the other we have to just keep swimming
1: yeah I appreciate such an honest answer I after asking how you are I wonder most listeners I hope don't actually know who you are I think you have tremendous credentials, but I'd like to sort of just maybe touch on those briefly and go more into your values. And again, copying Brene Brown, what gives your life meaning and purpose?
0: So so as you mentioned at the top, I'm the president and CEO of Leadership Montana. I live in Helena, Montana. I have an eight-year-old son who's amazing and a husband whose age I won't share. Um, (laughs) And, you know, the three of us have this pretty uh, incredible life. And uh, despite the challenges that I've mentioned, we have found a way to just keep swimming. And uh, I think so much of my values that I identify on a daily basis do really inform um, who I am. So thank you for the opportunity to talk about those. Um, what gives my life purpose and meaning really is my family, my husband, my son, um, my um, the work that I do with Leadership Montana um, to help people bridge divides and have really hard conversations and recognize at the end of the day, while we do have differences, our similarities outweigh those differences. And especially now, With the state of our world today, I think that that's that's even more important, that we find a way to come back to each other. So I found that to be, especially in the last six years or so since I've been in this position with Leadership Montana, that's really given me the purpose of my life, is helping people find a way to disagree without being disagreeable, and to recognize that our relationships with each other are more important than our political beliefs or our experiences that um, might be different from other people's. So it's really about relationships for me. And um, those values for me kind of start and end with kindness. And I know we're going to talk about kindness a little bit later, so I'll save my definition for that. Um,
1: Yeah, we are. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's such a loaded word sometimes, right? One. Yeah, we're
1: going to talk about it. It's going to be great.
0: <laughs> um, and, and service uh, is another important value for me. I think that we are put on this planet in this life to, um, to be of service to others and to be in relationship with others and to lift others up rather than push them down. Um, and kind of along the same lines, you know, a core value of mine is connection. Uh, Being able to really deeply connect with someone in a really meaningful way is um, a a joy that I have on a very regular basis, almost daily. And when I say connection, I don't mean, um, you know, connecting with someone via email, because you know as well as anybody that I suck at email, like... I am the worst person to send an email to because I'll read it like five nervous. days later <laughs> and yeah, but I'm talking about connection. She's that's like great.
1: <laughs> I'll give you a B minus <laughs> on email.
0: I hate email.
1: But if I highlight the questions, if you, you the, always get back to That's So notes. good.
0: That's yeah. such a great tip. Like highlight the questions. Yeah. Tell me what get Yeah. Get to the gold.
1: Nope. No bad feelings over here on this side of the mic, by the way, I regarding your emailing.
0: But that's, that's not connection to me. Right Connection to me is face-to-face conversation like we're having right now. Um, handwritten letters. I love handwritten letters um, to receive them and to give them. And to, to be able to you know, find those ways to connect that are unique, I think, right now in, in our world. Whether that's you know, via Zoom, which I'm certainly, especially after the last three days of being on Zoom constantly, kind of tired of, of that. I'm, I'm a Zoombie. So connection, connection is critical to me. And I think that kind of goes back to what I was talking about with the purpose of of my life right now, being, um, helping people find those connections to each other.
1: I sort of need to back up a little bit because you're the president and CEO of Leadership Montana. And I mentioned that I was thankful for you creating this podcast because this is Listen First, a podcast of Leadership Montana. And something that you just did that is, to me, a a pillar of Leadership Montana is value identification. When I asked you for your values today, just before, as I was setting up the mics, you just scribbled them down right away. And I don't know that actually that's a common thing. Like Before Leadership Montana pushed me to identify my, my values, not only write them down, but define them, I think it was just this sort of nebulous concept like I'm I need to act in accordance with my values but if you hadn't actually do you find that I mean you've been educating countless people about leadership Montana and value identification do you find that people don't actually have like a perfectly concrete understanding of what their values are
0: I think more what I see is when I give someone a list of values and ask them to pick two they say that's too hard I need 10 and so, so I think that we um, maybe we have a hard time narrowing down very, very quickly, like I just did, like you asked me to do, right? And I brought props, right? Here's my list of values that and I identified. She's holding up
1: a plaque from in the <laughs> master's class. Kindness, <laughs> mas- connection, adventure, humor, service. Yeah.
0: But I think that if we're going to be leaders in any way, um, whether that's leaders in communities, businesses, families, we have to be very clear with what our values are and how we use those values to be better leaders. So um, some of the work that I've been doing most recently, probably the last couple of years, especially um, digging more into Brene Brown's work, um, values is central to leadership. And, and, And not only knowing what they are, but knowing how you... Uh, How you display them and how and recognizing them in others and recognizing how others work because of their values.
1: So that's a nice segue into my next question. So you are the leader of this organization, Leadership Montana, which hopefully people know about, but they might not. And before I ask you what Leadership Montana is, I want to ask you what leadership is.
0: You know, I believe that leaders have to have to listen first. Listen second listen third, listen fourth, listen, listen, listen. And so for me, leadership is about making space for conversation, making space for the opportunities to listen. I think too often when we think of leadership, we think of the person who is the top, you know, of the company or a community um, who makes hard decisions on their own without input from others. And that's a style of leadership that authoritarian, you know, control and command type of leadership that I think is is on its way out. And I think that leadership now, I'm hopeful, and this is what I believe, is that leadership is much more collaborative, and it's much more inclusive, and it is um, so much more rooted in our values and those opportunities to build those connections, uh, to really deeply understand each other. That's what leadership means to me.
1: So what is Leadership Montana?
0: Leadership Montana is a nonprofit organization, uh, a leadership development organization. We have a number of programs that sort of start with our flagship experience that has been around since 2005, which you are a graduate of, which I am a graduate of. It's an eight-month program where we travel the state and visit different communities in a cohort of about 40 people. And um, during a course of about three days, we learn about the challenges and opportunities in each of those communities. And at the same time, going through a robust leadership development curriculum. that was designed um, specifically for Leadership Montana to help us learn more about ourselves and each other. And how we can build those relationships across um, across those divides, you know, those divides that are that come to us from different geographies, different gender, um, different industry, different backgrounds, different educational experiences, uh, different political views. That's really kind of the mission of of Leadership Montana is to develop leaders committed to building a better Montana. So that's our flagship program. And we've got a number of other programs uh, from from there that our alumni can participate in, including our master's class, which you and I both graduated from last year. And we have public offerings, too. We have an annual conference in September that's open to the public. um, And we have a few opportunities throughout the year that um, are open to the public for education around, around learning and connecting.
1: You mentioned some a uh, Graduate of Leadership Montana class of 2016, I gotta shout out the uh, sweet you 16ers. Gotta. You, yeah, gotta, do you it. gotta do it. And 2019 masters. And I walked away from both of those classes feeling a sense of real levity and hope about um, the achievability of a brighter future. But as I look around lately, it sure seems like things are getting worse. But that's my perspective. And when I say things are getting worse, I mean our ability to talk to one another. It seems like there's more contempt for the other side um, in both directions. Uh, Is that what you see?
0: It is. And it's, I think it for me is the heaviest part of what we're experiencing in our world right now is the fact that we are so far away from each other, not only physically, but we're so far away from each other, we're uh, not in our relationships, and the the divides that I saw growing over the last few years, I think, have just gotten gotten kind of to the point that I'm 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 fearful that they're irreparable. So, that's not the glowy, happy answer you were asking, you were hoping for, I know.
1: I wasn't. A, I, I think that's the truth. I mean, I'm glad. I just, it just feels affirming and validating in so many ways because it's, um, it's really depressing mm-hmm. to read the news. Yeah. Right? And I've even balanced out my media diet and tried to get um, information from all sides, and it's incendiary everywhere.
0: Can I ask you a question about that? Please do. Do you know about allsides.org?
1: I have seen you talking about it.
0: Allsides.org is the place where I go to get news now because it takes any story um, and very clearly tells you which lens you're looking through, whether it's a conservative or a moderate or a liberal lens. It color codes it for you. So that you you can you know very intentionally seek out a different perspective if you would like. Um, I tend to, to go for those purple ones, those moderate stories, so that I'm getting, you know, maybe a little bit more accurate um, reporting. Uh, I cannot recommend enough allsides.org.
1: Good. And that's great to know. Yeah, I've been trying to curate it myself, and I, it just feels icky.
0: Someone else is already doing it for you. Just let them do it. <laughs>
1: You're a fan of outsourcing when possible, right? Yeah,
0: all the time. <laughs> um,
1: I just I do I do want to follow up on that. It's interesting to me that um you would be witnessing class after class. You you said you've been here for six years in, mm-hmm. at six the helm. Yep. Um, but you graduated what year?
0: 2010. So yeah, 2010, and then came on the team in 2014.
1: But nonetheless, you've now seen two master's classes, five regular classes, six six graduate, and then you've also seen, you've also participated in a cohort. And presumably in every single one of those experiences, those eight-month journeys, you have seen the group activate and feel this excitement and hope. Um, I was talking to a mentor who is 60 years old and she was telling me about my own activation after the killing of George Floyd. Mm -hmm. And she was sort of holding me to account, saying, we'll see how you do in a month. Mm -hmm. We'll see how you hang in there in two months if you're still feeling as fired up and ready to act on this because, you know, Mm -hmm. she's seen it over and over again. So I wonder when you see every year of graduating classes, when you see People feeling really excited about going out there and changing the world and making it a better place, making it more wholesome and not wholesome, but fair Mm -hmm. and reasonable.
0: Yeah, kinder.
1: Is there this wave effect where you see that sort of peter out and year after year? And I'm sure that it clings on certainly for some people. I mean, it has for me. Mm -hmm. But I don't claim to have be holding on to the same level of hope and excitement that I did the day I graduated Leadership Montana. So how can, can you speak to that?
0: Yeah. You know, it, it, every class is, is different, every experience is different, every individual experience is different. And I can point to, you know, alumni who are as passionately engaged as they were when they graduated in 2008. And I can point to alumni who are as passionate and dedicated to making Montana a better place in every single class, not just the ones I've been a part of, but every one from 2005 to, to 2020, and I think you know a lot of times what we're doing in Leadership Montana is planting seeds, planting seeds that will that will grow and bloom later. And uh, I one of my favorite things with this work is when when I'll hear from an alumni uh, their story of growing and blooming years afterwards. It happened to me. You know, when I graduated in 2010, I was like, okay, this is great. Put my certificate on, on the wall. I've done this. I've got these great relationships now. I understand, leadership, I understand Montana more now. But the leadership component, it took me a long time after that to really harvest the seeds that were planted during my flagship experience. So I wouldn't say that I see a drastic change in – in that excited, you know, energetic, change the world, change Montana mentality. Um, but I do see people holding on to it and, and coming back to Leadership Montana, especially in this time, because they need to feel that sense of hope again. And I think that's why one of the reasons why our master's program was so well-timed, even though we didn't even know it. But right now we've got so many people wanting to, to come back and to experience it again because they need to feel that safe place where we can disagree without being disagreeable. That safe place where we can explore Montana and explore our own leadership, you know, strengths and abilities and to explore other perspectives.
1: And it dovetails really well with why we're having why we've created this podcast. Yeah is this idea of learning in public. I think when you're with that cohort of 40 people in the flagship class or more like 20 in the master's class, Mm -hmm. there's an ability to right in front of people, sort of overcome the defensive reaction that is so sort of knee-jerk, right, for Mm -hmm. all of us, I think, and move through and say, I never thought of it that way, but it's not our nature to do that. So the goal, I think, of this podcast, and please let me know what you think about this, is to kind of learn in public with all of our guests.
0: Yeah. And and I think it's important for us to frame up what learn in public means for those that haven't been through Leadership Montana. Uh, we use this uh, curriculum called Gracious Space. It was created by the Center for Ethical Leadership and Patricia Hughes in Seattle. And there are four um, principles of, of Gracious Space. And the, the hardest one is the fourth one. It's called Learning in Public. And that um, really means you know that we have an opportunity to suspend our own judgment long enough to potentially have our mind changed, to be able to really deeply listen to other perspectives. And you know, that's we call it the crux move in leadership Montana. That's the hardest part. But that's really that's where the magic happens.
1: (laughs) Chantel has a t-shirt on that says make magic happen. It's pretty badass. So let's talk about this podcast. So here we are. Episode one, a brand new podcast, Listen First Montana, a podcast of Leadership Montana. And I wonder that when you hatched this idea for creating the show, what did you envision? What did you envision being the real value proposition for listeners?
0: You know, there are so many great stories of Montana leaders that don't often get told. And so many of those fall into our alumni network. And I think that if this is an opportunity for us to really elevate some of those voices, I'm all for it. Um, and, and like I said, to tell stories that aren't always told. You know, we have some leaders in agriculture who are doing incredible things and innovative things and, and leading you know, national organizations from right here in Montana. We have alumni who, um, who represent rural communities, who are doing insightful, amazing, uh, innovative things, like I just said. And, and we have a, a, an indigenous population that I think has um, so many beautiful stories to tell. And so what I'm looking for with this project is to really be a place where we can tell stories again. and. Um, when we tell our stories, we're given an opportunity to kind of come back to each other. When we tell our stories and we listen to our stories, we have an opportunity to bridge that divide that separates us. You know, you think about it, like, in our programming, in flagship and in master's programs where we give every participant eight minutes to tell your story. And it's not... You know, like you said, I don't want to hear what you do. I want to hear who you are. And, the, and in that eight minutes, you can learn so much about someone that you might not over eight months. Right. And there's just I think there's so much connective power in storytelling. So that's what I'm hopeful that we will accomplish here.
1: So how do we do this, Chantal? How do we we need to celebrate and lift up a wide variety of voices, diverse voices? How do we lift up diverse voices in a thoughtful, balanced, meaningful way?
0: You know, I, in, in Leadership Montana, our number one value is is embracing and celebrating um, diversity. And I think that we, we have so many opportunities to, to do that. You know, we in very intentionally create our cohorts to be as diverse as possible that we can you know really find in Montana which is not an incredibly racially diverse community right but we have a lot of diversity of thought we have a lot of diversity of perspective and of background and so I think as we're you know thinking about who we want to be a part of these episodes I think just looking with intentionality of what great story do they have to tell um, that we might not have heard before I'm so excited. We just sketched out our first five episodes, and I'm so excited to ask those folks to be a part of this and to tell their story that it's just going to be, I think, it's going to blow you away.
1: I have to shift that into a question. You have um, been a mentor of mine for some time now, a mm-hmm. mentor and a friend. And as the host and producer of this podcast, I find myself in an interesting position, which is that, um, you know, I'll sort of be sidecar to all of these as we sit in the sidecar office building, I will be sidecar nice. to all of these, these stories. And um, I think that it's incredibly important throughout that I be really aware of the privilege that I hold. are some people, um, a, a term that maybe is less charged is the tailwinds that have blown on my back. And I have to tell you that, and I've told you this many times, that I have many... So much tailwind blowing at my back, and I'm thankful for that, but also trying every day to be as aware of that as I can be, mm-hmm. and simultaneously being aware of language we use often in Leadership Montana, which is my blind spots, the things I don't know that I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if you can talk about the tailwinds and the privilege that you feel like you've had in your life, and certainly you've had headwinds, and certainly you've worked really, really hard to accomplish what you have. I want to I honor that. But how do we carry privilege and understand what it means in the context of helping share these stories?
0: You know, I think that's a, that's a really important question. And, and and you're right. I have had and continue to have a considerable amount of privilege, tailwind, whatever, whatever you want to call it, um, that have helped me to, to advance to where I am today and to give me a certain level of comfort and safety even in, you know, the most challenging times in my life. And I think a a really important component of that privilege has been the people around me, the people who have surrounded me in my challenging times. So when I look at what gives me privilege, it's not only that I'm you know, a middle-class white woman in Montana, but it's also that I am deeply grateful to be surrounded by really smart, amazing people. And I know my experience, and I know my experience alone, Um, and I I would never pretend to put myself in someone else's shoes, uh, and nor expect someone to put themselves in my shoes. But I think that, you know, your question is, is, is so important, and I just want to come back to that piece around you know, building community around each other. I think that as we're having these conversations with, with, with our alumni and hearing their wonderful stories, um, just coming back to that connection, what connects us, even as you're interviewing them, and you mentioned before we started, you, know, you, you might not know some of these people, but you're still connected to them, so finding a way to um, to pull from that connection, I think, is going to be really important. And I think, you know, to to some extent, as um, as as you know, leadership Montana alumni, we all have that tailwind of connection, the connection to each other and the connection to Montana.
1: It's really really interesting. I think that as I've contemplated what it means to host this podcast, and I've said to you many times that this is not about me. I just want to be aware and like set a baseline with listeners, which is that I'm going to screw up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: right? I think that's really common language right now. It's don't be afraid to screw up because you're going to. right? Your language isn't always going to be on point, but um, what comes with that is a willingness to accept when somebody calls you out and says, I'm going to hold you to account. I think mm-hmm. you're outside your integrity, um, so I hope that goes well.
0: I think it that's will. It's gonna
1: happen on mic, on the record.
0: <laughs> well, I think there's an important there's an important lesson in what you just said is we're gonna screw up. Um, we all do every day, you know. And That's you know screwing up or failure or whatever you want to call it is how we learn and how we grow as people. And um, I think it's I think it. it We are in a state of our world where I think we need to start embracing the fact that we're going to screw it up, but at least we're trying.
1: So I want to shift gears now, Chantel, and I want to talk about you are a leader now, currently running a really, really important organization. Can you talk about what that looks and feels like right now for you?
0: Yeah, it's, um, to say it's hard would be an understatement. Um, I think we're all... As a society, we're just weary. We're weary of COVID. Um, we're weary of the fact that we can't be together. We can't, you know, go to restaurants and go to all the places that we want to go and be. We're just tired of this, right? So when you translate that weariness into running first a nonprofit, that's really hard right now because, you know, with economic uncertainty puts all nonprofits at risk and honestly I am incredibly grateful for uh, both federal and state support that have helped keep small businesses and nonprofits you know running through this this challenging time you know there's the uncertainty of when are we going to get through this when are we going to be able to be together in a room you know with more than, you know 20 50 people you know so much of what we do at leadership montana is about that live in person experience of connecting and learning and and we can't do that right now in in really thoughtful and safe ways you know we've done a few you know program sessions with small groups of, of people and it's really hard and we do big conferences if you know 200 people we can't we can't do that so trying to navigate what the future looks like in three days, three weeks, three months, three years, is, there's really not even a word to describe it. It's like constantly, I'm thinking about how do we respond to this? How do we continue to provide opportunities for our constituents to learn and connect. When we're all tired of being on Zoom, we can't be together in person. What do we do? Now more than ever, this world needs the work that we do at Leadership Montana, the the ability, the unique ability, I think that we have to get people in a room and talk about hard things and still walk away, you know, shaking hands and going to have a beer. And, and instead of what we see now, especially on social media, which I have such a hard time with.
1: Oh, it's a cesspool. Oh, God, it's terrible.
0: It's just toxic. And yeah. it's just, I'm going to tell you what I think, and then I'm going to walk away, and I'm not going to listen to your point of view. So what we do in Leadership Montana is the exact opposite of that. We put people in a room, we throw in a heart issue, and go for it, work it out. We can't do that right now, but the world needs that right now. And so what I see is... So disappointing when I see on, on social media that that vitriol and that really unhealthy discourse that is just permeating everything that we see in our society right now. And it's so so you're absolutely right. Now more than ever, we need this work. Now more than ever, it's really hard. Because we can't do it the way we normally do.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice, not Being nice and being kind. We're going to talk about that. They're two different things. Niceness and kindness are different? I think so. Tell me more.
0: I think niceness means... I just don't like that word. Does maybe. niceness
1: have no teeth?
0: Has no teeth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm, I am a uh, alum of a sorority, and during our recruitment um our recruitment activities if we ever used the word she was nice we would be told say something more descriptive so yeah so no teeth um but kindness is for me my definition of kindness is being gracious with yourself and with others at the same time Using your voice and your power to speak up for those that can't necessarily speak up for themselves, showing kindness to others in that way.
1: I've been tearing through this book that you've been recommending lately, and it's called. Oh, she's pulling it out. Oh my gosh! She's I got don't it leave
0: home without it.
1: Is that right?
0: I love this book. I mean, everyone I know pretty much has has gotten a copy of this book.
1: So I recommended that to somebody. I'll just throw it out there. Did you like it? Uh, well, just. I love it. I'm not all the way done. I listen to books Mm because I don't read good. Um, And (laughs) I recommended it to somebody It was so interesting. I recommended it to somebody who I I see pretty eye-to-eye with um, politically. But the immediate reaction was, oh, Arthur Brooks, the author of the book, is called Love Your Enemies, is a right centrist. So I don't know if I'll read it. I was like... Holy hell! What are we doing here? That's
0: exactly why that person should read it.
1: Mm-hmm. So why Seek. do you why do you love it so much?
0: Um, I love this book. So I was given this book um, as a gift from someone who has not been through Leadership Montana, but thought that it read a lot like the concepts that he recognized in Leadership Montana from being in relationship with me, and I. Um, I downloaded it on Libro FM and I listened to it to and from the funeral, uh, to and from Wyoming where I attended the funeral of Tom Scott, our founder, who um, would have loved this book so much because it's really rooted in how do we disagree without being disagreeable? How do we combat this culture of contempt? And I... You know, probably three fourths of the way through it, I was driving home from Sheridan. I pulled over, I bought as many copies as I could to start giving out to people because I feel like this is a message that so many of us could really hear um, because it's written from a perspective that we don't usually hear these types of concepts talked about. And it is from Arthur C. Brooks who is a conservative thought leader. And I think when we have the opportunity to kind of seek out other opinions of people we might not normally it gives us a richer understanding of society, right? It gives us a richer understanding of how we come back to each other. And that is, you know, that's my big mission in life right now is how do we bridge these gaps? And You know, the, the, the subtitle here is how decent people can save America from the culture of contempt. I mean, who doesn't want that?
1: (laughs) I'm with you fully. (laughs) What is contempt? What do you think the author means when they talk about contempt?
0: You know, contempt, I think is this deep misunderstanding of each other that leads to hatred and vitriol and violence. In, in many ways uh, you know I think we're seeing that more and more in our culture right now that we're we're so afraid of what is different that we we use violence to combat it mm-hmm. We don't even put ourselves in situations anymore to be influenced by someone who doesn't think like we do um, I was last year I was I'm um, giving a like a public conversation presentation around how we bridge the gap between us and them. And someone said, "Well, I don't even I don't even know anyone who doesn't think like me." And I I was just like shocked. Like, how, how do you not know anyone who doesn't think like you? We have siloed ourselves so much into our echo chambers and Back to social media, it just perpetuates that siloing of echo chambers. Back to how we get our news, we only read the news, we only watch the news that we already agree with, so we're not getting other perspectives.
1: I loved that how he was talking. He was talking about how, like, anger towards the other side is um, is amplified so profoundly by social media because it's just that much easier, yep. right, to feed our addiction. For contempt, yeah, which I feel all the time. So lousy. Do you feel that? Are you on the same page? Do yeah. you feel contempt?
0: Do I? F- do I in my own life feel contempt for other people?
1: Yeah, I mean, like when you think about the issues that you disagree with vehemently, you think shouldn't be politicized, but are. Like, what is that feel like in your heart?
0: I, I, I would say it's probably not contempt. I would say it's just sadness, just deep sadness. Mm just you know that we are so far away from each other as Americans as humans as Montanans that we just can't even like come to the same table with each other I think it's just makes me sad
1: I think this idea of how we come together is the the best way to sort of play devil's advocate is the voices that would say taking the time to reason with opponents and people who see this is a long game which um, people would probably say, I imagine, I don't have the luxury of playing the long game. I have an immediate threat to my family or the people I love or whomever I'm trying to protect, including myself. So I'm gonna battle tooth and nail, however I have to do, shout to get um, my goal accomplished. Mm -hmm. What would you say to those people?
0: We actually had a conversation similar to this come up in a recent, A recent training experience where where someone said, you know, it just it seems like those that are fighting for racial justice, equity, inclusion, I just want those answers right now and just want instant gratification. And another participant responded with, This isn't a conversation that just started in May this is a conversation that's been happening for a hundred hundreds of years so it's not necessarily shouldn't be viewed as instant gratification we just want answers now this is these are conversations that have been happening and bubbling and going away and then coming back up and then being ignored and conversations that we have to have we have to have if we're going to continue to move forward in in, in a way that promotes inclusivity of all of us.
1: Mm. Um, you had a recent, to go back to social media, post where you said, it's cool to be kind. I'm feeling the global weight of unkindness right now and it gives me the sads. Let me be clear, to, be, to me, being kind does not mean we let destructive people run over us, quite the opposite. To me, being kind means standing up for those who need us to stand against those who oppress demean, and degrade. And the first question that I wanna ask you about that is, how do you identify that group of people that want to oppress, demean, and degrade?
0: You know, I don't know if it's necessarily a group. You know, I think that, I think it's pretty easy for us to see in our society when individuals, be them, you know, leaders of businesses or governments or organizations or communities are focused more on their own gain than than the benefit of whomever they're leading. You know, we all have examples of those leaders in our lives who, like I, I talked about earlier, have that 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 leadership style of command and control, that authoritarian leadership that we are here to serve you you rather than the leaders here to serve their constituents or their employees or their church congregation or their whomever, right? So I I wouldn't go so far as to say that we identify groups, but I think we identify those, those people whose leadership styles are not going to work in in our current reality and in our future.
1: Recently, a few Titans of Leadership Montana have passed away. Tom Scott and Barbara Braided Hair. Mm. And I wonder if you want to take this chance to, to talk about them.
0: Yeah. I always love an opportunity to talk about Barbara and Tom. And and their relationship to Leadership Montana was so intertwined. Um, Barbara Braided Hair was a member of our class of 2005, and she, um, she lived in Lame Deer, a member of the Northern Cheyenne Nation, and she was um, in our very first class of Leadership Montana. She was the um, branch manager of the first interstate bank there in Lame Deer. Tom Scott um, was our founder, the founder of Leadership Montana, and uh, really the backbone of this organization for so many years. And he was uh, the chairman and CEO of First Interstate Bank um, for decades. His family started First Interstate Bank and he picked Barbara uh, to be the very first person to go through Leadership Montana. Um, And the stories that Tom and I even shared, you know, a couple weeks before he died, they always revolved around Barbara. Like she was so present in in the conversations that he and I would have together. He was so proud of her, and he was so you know honored that Leadership Montana had continued his vision of really bringing tribal communities into this work. And. Over the last six years, I became really close to both of them, and we lost both of them within the span of eleven months. And, you know, I, I I knew that that day would come someday, that you know these people that I love and admire so much would start to leave us. I didn't think it was going to happen like so close to each other. So it's been a it's been a really hard year for me in, in losing those two significant mentors, and and Tom's passing is so recent that it's still, it's it's really present with me. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to be in relationship with both of those individuals and that they had so much passion and dedication to this work. You know, I talk about earlier about, you know, when I see alumni who come back, you know, back into the fold. You know, Barbara graduated from our first class. She served on our board until she passed away. So she was always, always there. You know, 16 years she's been a part of what we do. And, and really the same with Tom. So losing the two of them has been really hard. And I'm even more committed to, you know, living and ensuring that this organization lives in the values that they set forth for us.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that. You ready to move on to the lightning round?
0: Let's do it.
1: Okay, we have like fifteen seconds to answer all these. Just think, snap, snap. You know, we're gonna end. We're gonna end on a bang. Okay. All right. You've had a long day. You're exhausted. Mm-hmm but you're at dinner with some friends and a difficult political topic pops up that you know you should engage with, but you don't feel up to. You think to yourself blank.
0: I think to myself or I say out loud. Yeah,
1: What? Well, oh, either. What do you do?
0: Uh, you know, that's, it would be unusual for me not to dig in, not to like lean in and say, tell me more.
1: I love it. That's great progress looks like failure 2020 has been
0: (laughs) that's my answer (laughs) (laughs) a learning opportunity
1: what does montana mean to you everything gummy worms are
0: (laughs) not as good as gummy bears
1: The answer is the best candy, but Mm -hmm. that's okay. Okay. Almond Joy is?
0: Ew. No thanks. The worst candy? The worst, yeah. Okay,
1: we're on the same page. The most important thing I can teach my child is blank. To be kind. Someone you've felt gratitude toward lately and why?
0: Tom Scott for Creating Leadership Montana.
1: Book recommendation.
0: Love your enemies. Yeah,
1: oh, you got to get another one in there. Come
0: on. <laughs> Dare to lead.
1: Dare to lead. TV or movie recommendation?
0: Um. Hmm. I mostly watch the news, which I need to branch out and watch things other than the news. I would say. Uh, blackish. I love Blackish really? on TV. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, I need to watch. The issue that I'm passionate about, but listeners might not realize is?
0: Um, Adaptive opportunities for kids and adults with physical and mental challenges.
1: And finally, the challenge I could really use help from listeners on is?
0: telling great stories about Montanans, the people and places that make Montana so special.
1: Chantel Schieffer, thank you so much for coming on the very first episode of Listen First Montana. This has been a pleasure.
0: Thank you, Eric.
1: Thanks so much for listening in. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please be sure to subscribe rate and review wherever you get your podcasts or even mention the show to your friends for leadership montana i'm eric halverson and this is listen first montana